0: Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. We continue with the reading of our gospel lessons and words of our Savior Jesus recorded for us in John chapter 2. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew." Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. The gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. You may be seated. There's sort of a, a trend that's been going on on social media. It's, it's been going on a long time. You've probably heard of it expectation versus reality. You probably see those posts all the time, right? It usually has to do with cooking or crafts or something like that. You see something and you say, "Wow, that looks amazing. So let me try and do that." And what comes out is not what you expected, right? There's a story that I want to tell you. My my friend, he wanted to do something special for us this past Thanksgiving. He wanted to make us some pumpkin pies, but not just like any old pumpkin pies. He didn't just want to get some pumpkin pie filling and put it in a crust, right? He wanted to do the filling all on his own, make his own with real pumpkins and everything. Some of you are shaking your heads and laughing right now because that's it's kind of hard to do, right? And And my friend, he does not bake or cook and so our expectations, they, they weren't that high for these pies, right? But we said, okay, go for it. And when we get done with our Thanksgiving dinner and he brings out the pies and he's excited, he's like, here you go guys, here's those homemade pies. And we take one bite into these pies and we all look at each other and we know that something is terribly wrong. <laughs> and they don't taste like pumpkin pie turns out he forgot to put sugar in his pie filling. So imagine how that tasted. Expectations versus reality. We know that sometimes in reality, our expectations, they aren't met. That things like our baking skills, they, they let us down sometimes. But other things like our cars, the things that we put money into and invest in, they, they let us down and break sometimes people don't always meet our expectations right our friends coworkers and bosses they they disappoint us they don't do what they're going to say when they say they're going to do something even our loved ones sometimes let us down right they don't act the way that we expect them to act towards us we even disappoint sometimes right we disappoint the people in our lives we don't act like we are expected to act sometimes, and we disappoint ourselves sometimes. Expectation versus reality, our expectations aren't always met. And we kind of accept that as reality, and so what do we do? We manage our expectations, right? We lower them, because we know that sometimes when they're too high, we get disappointed. But is that is that true with God sometimes? Sometimes we manage our expectations for God, well, in our gospel lesson for today, we learned that there is one person who never fails to meet our expectations, one person who never disappoints that 's our Savior Jesus. at the wedding here when when the wine had ran out, and Jesus performs his first miracle, he shows that he doesn 't just meet expectations but he far exceeds all the expectations that anyone has for him. His love is beyond all understanding. His power transcends all knowledge. We have a God who goes beyond all of our expectations, and we can have trust and confidence in that as we live our lives. The life of Jesus, it kind of moves quickly. You you think we were just in Bethlehem when Jesus was born, and now he's a grown man here at a wedding. And and it does kind of fast forward through Jesus' childhood, but before we get to the wedding at Cana, I want us to go backwards, and I want us to look at Jesus' childhood a little bit, because I think that's going to help us understand what happens here at the wedding. Jesus is born in Bethlehem, and we're told that he, he grows up in stature and favor and knowledge in the eyes of his heavenly father, and he grows up just like any other Jewish boy, right? Learning traditions, the Jewish traditions, going to his lessons, he has friends, But there's one big difference, obviously, right? Jesus is perfect. He's the son of God. He's not like those other Jewish boys in that aspect. Can you think about being the parent of a perfect child? The parent of a child who who never complains, who never argues, who never talks back, who always does what he's told, who always picks up after himself, who never rolls his eyes, sounds pretty great, doesn't it? And it probably was great, it was. But I think there, there might have been some challenges, too, to being the parent of a perfect child, especially when you're not perfect as a parent, right? I think you might forget sometimes that you're not perfect and your child is perfect, And I think there's a story uh, in Jesus' childhood that, that really shows us that happening, I think, between Mary, who's not perfect, and her son Jesus, who is perfect. Jesus was 12 years old, and him and his family are going to Jerusalem to celebrate a Jewish festival called the Passover, and they're there for days celebrating with friends and family, and the celebration ends, and Mary and Joseph, they head back home, and they forget one important thing. They forget their son, Jesus, in Jerusalem. So they realize that they forget Jesus, and they hurry back to Jerusalem, and they find Jesus in the temple, teaching the teachers there about God's word. And Mary reacts, I think, just like any other mother would react. Jesus, where were you? How could you do this to us? You made us worried sick. And Jesus responds... Didn't you know I would be here in my father's house? Didn't you know I would be about my father's business? I think at that moment, Mary probably remembered, oh yeah, that's right, I'm not perfect, my son is perfect, that's right, this isn't just my son, this is the son of God who has a mission who's about his father's business to not just be the perfect son of Mary, but the perfect son of God, to be the savior of the world. He has a mission to accomplish. And I want us to remember that story, remember that instance, and it's going to help us understand the dynamic that exists between a perfect son and a sinful mother. And so then we fast forward 18 or so years, and Jesus is grown up, right? And, and he's beginning his public ministry. In a chapter before this, Jesus was baptized. He's beginning to tell the world who he is, that he is the savior of the world, the promised Messiah. And he's, he's gathering disciples to follow him. And then he comes to a wedding. Talk about expectations and disappointment. I don't think those disciples expected to go to a wedding after they gave up their life to follow Jesus. But that's where they are. They're at this wedding. Jesus, his disciples, his mother. And then disaster strikes. No, they don't run out of beer like we heard before, but they, they run out of wine, right? Wine runs out and Mary begins to hear the whispers and the servants saying to each other, we're, we're out of wine. What are we gonna do? This is terrible. Don't tell the bride and the groom. Don't worry them. But like any loving and caring mother, Mary tries to fix the problem, right? And who does she go to? No surprise at all, she goes to Jesus. And it's no surprise at all because for the past 30 or so years, Jesus has been showing Mary that she can always count on him, right? She can always trust Jesus. If Mary said, Jesus, have your room cleaned before I come home, it was cleaned, If Mary said, Jesus, on your way home from your lessons, pick up something at the market, he did that. She could always trust on him, that he was going to do the right thing, that he was going to help and obey his mother. And so that's the confidence that Mary had in her son. And she goes to Jesus. And without saying it, she says, Jesus, help us fix this problem. And so she's expecting what? She's expecting a a yes, ma'am, or an okay mom, right? But that's not what she gets, right? If you look in your verses, what does Jesus say? Jesus says, woman, why do you bother me? Why do you try to involve me? Why? My time has not yet come. Do you think those memories from 18 years ago maybe started to flood at Mary's mind woman why do you involve me my time has not yet come don't you know I must be about my father's business and maybe Mary was hit with that reality again oh yeah I- I'm not perfect my son is perfect there's something much bigger going on here it's not just about this wedding it's not just about me it's about my son and his work here on earth to be our savior oh yeah so maybe mary 's expectations weren 't met and so you you begin to wonder what 's going on here? Why does Jesus reply like this? Is Jesus failing to meet someone 's expectations is, is the expectation and reality not lining up like it happens so often in our lives? Is Jesus just like everything else where we get disappointed by the people in our lives or the things that we own that disappoint us. Is that what's going on here? I think it's, I think something else is happening. I think Mary has the wrong expectations, right? Mary expects Jesus to say, Yes, man, and okay, mom, but that's not what happens when she goes to her son. And then I think about. My life and our life, and I think about how we go to Jesus and how we talk to Him in our prayer life. And I think about Mary's conversation here, and I think about the expectations that we have for Jesus and our God and the prayers that we pray. And I pray to God, God, do this for me, help me do this, fix this problem, get me through this day. And don't get me wrong, that's good. Jesus wants us to come to him in all situations, in all circumstances, and pray to him, cast all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you, and that's good. Go and do that. But I think sometimes when we pray those prayers, we are expecting Jesus to say yes, which again isn't wrong. But then when we don't get that yes, how do we react? I think sometimes we pray those prayers and and say, my will be done, God, instead of your will be done, God. We pray those prayers selfishly and saying that God has to do what I want to do, and if that doesn't come, then our attitude is something like, God, aren't you listening to me? If I don't get that yes, then I wonder, God, why don't you love me? And I begin to think that my expectations are not being met, and I'm being disappointed by my God, and I begin to think, How wrong that is. Because I know who my God is, right? Full of love and grace. I can't be disappointed by him. Low expectations. I lower my expectations because I think that I'm getting disappointed by God over and over again. We go back to the wedding here. So, Mary goes to Jesus, and Jesus doesn't give Mary the, the answer that she's expecting. And how does she react? Does she get mad at Jesus? Does she say, Jesus, why don't you love me? No. She says to the servants, Do whatever this man tells you to do. Do whatever this man tells you to do. Her confidence was not shaken. She had complete trust in Jesus. She knew that Jesus, even though she didn't get the answer that she expected, she knew that Jesus was going to make this work, that he was going to take care of it. And that's exactly what he does. Jesus saves the wedding. He saves the day. He saves the couple from shame and he gets them wine. But he doesn't just go to the store and get them wine, right? He, he changes water into wine. He performs his first miracle, an amazing gift for this newlywed couple to be at this wedding. And Jesus performs the first miracle of his ministry. But he didn't just do that, right? It wasn't just about saving the wedding, right? No, Jesus met those expectations, and he goes far beyond that. We're told in verse 11 why Jesus performed this miracle, He did it so that his disciples would believe in him so that they could put their faith and trust and confidence in Jesus and knowing that the man who they left everything behind for is God, that he is the savior of the world. He has the power. He has the love and grace. That's why he did this. He's about his father's business, right? There's so much more going on here than just a wedding. Jesus met those expectations. He exceeded those expectations. Jesus meets our expectations and he exceeds them. But he doesn't just meet our expectations, right? God has his own expectations. God says, be holy just like I, the Lord, just like I am holy. God created Adam and Eve to be perfect and They didn't meet those expectations, and you and I, we don't meet those expectations that God has for us, and so what do we need? We need someone to come and do it for us. We need someone who could meet God's expectations perfectly when we couldn't, when we can't, and that's exactly what happened. That was Jesus' mission. When he was born as a baby in Bethlehem, that was his mission, to live perfectly for you and me, to rescue us from sin, death, and the devil. That was his father's business when he was 12 years old, when he was a grown man. He met God's expectations. He went to the cross and willingly died for you and for me. He became sin, even though he had no sin, so that we could have his righteousness. He took our sins, nailed them to the cross, and they were done away with. Then he rose again on the third day so that we would one day rise with him. He met God's expectations perfectly for you and for me. But he goes even beyond that. Can you imagine that? Even beyond all those gifts of life and salvation and forgiveness, Jesus gives us amazing blessings like his word and his sacraments, like baptism and the Lord's Supper, like we're going to take in a few moments. Think about the blessings that is God's word. We have that with us everywhere we go, the living and breathing active word of God that creates faith in our hearts, that gives us peace, hope, and confidence to face anything this world brings to to us. And we can wake up in the morning and face that because of the promises that are in God's word, that he's going to make things work out for you and for me because he loves us, that he is our savior. And then he has the sacraments, the Lord's Supper and baptism. And those are physical proofs that God loves us. And we can look at those things and be assured that we are his and that his blood washes away our sins. And then that amazing gift of prayer, right? We've got the sacraments, Lord's Supper, baptism, but prayer, we've been talking out about it a lot today. We get to go to God with confidence, because of what he has done for us in the past, and we can pray to him with high expectations, knowing that he is going to continue to meet those and exceed those expectations every single day. What an amazing gift that is, that we get to go to our God and lay our problems before him. And so this changes everything. This just changes how we live and how we pray. And so we pray like the Apostle Paul prays, right, in our second lesson, with all the confidence in the world, Look at those words and see how, God, how Paul speaks to God. He speaks of amazing things about power and love. He speaks about how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And this surpasses all knowledge. Paul is praying to God that Christ may dwell in us, that we would have the fullness of God in us. This is God Almighty, who is able to turn water into wine, who is able to come back from the dead. He wants that power in us. How amazing is this prayer? These are not low expectations. Expectations versus reality. The reality is, that Christ has met all of our expectations and that he exceeds our expectations every single day. And so now we close with Paul's words filled with confidence and expectations for God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory and the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Please stand. Now the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, We know that often we sin by failing to have confidence in you and in your love and your power. We pray without confidence and with low expectations sometimes, so we ask that you forgive us for these times. But now is not one of those times. God, fill us with your love. Dwell in our hearts that we can grasp the reality that you exceed our expectations always. We thank you for your son and how he met your expectations. Send your spirit into our hearts so that we may be filled with peace and hope and confidence in your love and in your love and your knowledge and your word. We ask all this with high expectations and in your son's name. Amen.